Podcast. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. On this episode of Missing the Point, we give our long-range view of Major League Baseball one week into the season. We'll break down the divisions, which moves made during the offseason will have the biggest impact, and we'll do what we do best on this show, bitch about the Boston Red Sox. This is Missing the Point, episode 52, but it's all relative. Welcome into Missing the Point. My name is Joe Malkin, joined tonight by the real BK, Bob Kelly, Rayshon Buchanan, and of course, our EP, Craig D'Alessandro, who, who will probably get in on this episode a little bit as it's about his, his favorite sport, baseball. So guys, we're going to talk baseball tonight as we're now four days, five days into the season as we uh, record this. The Red Sox are in game two of a series with the Rays, but it hasn't been an easy start to the season for all 30 teams, and it hasn't been an easy start to the season for the Red Sox, but we have a lot to get through. The Baseball is back. No 60-game COVID-shortened season this year. They're going to play 162 games, most teams anyway. They're going to try and fit everything in with the least amount of issues as possible. I think from a societal standpoint, we're heading to that point as most leagues have announced that they will have fans. The Texas Rangers had a full stadium the other day, so was- it was wild. So, guys, let's get into some of the offseason moves. We saw a lot of big names move around. We saw... Uh, the San Diego Padres basically load up, which they took a big hit today as uh, Fernando Tatis went out with a shoulder injury, but is only expected to be on the, the IL for 10. So that's good for them. But let's start with that. Let's start with the Padres and, and talk about their offseason moves because they made a lot of moves and they from big to small, they went out and basically revamped their entire roster. They brought in a Jerickson Profar, who's a utility guy, 278 hitter, 343 on base percentage, and a 428 slugging percentage. So he's going to be a singles and doubles guy for them. They they bring in Blake Snell. They bring in you Darvish. And, of, of course, they, they sign Fernando Tatis to a 14-year contract extension, which good for them because right now he's – the best player in baseball, and and he's going to be for a long time. They're completely out of our market, and they're completely not relevant to the Boston Red Sox, but this Padres team is should be impressive if they can stay healthy. That's been the thing with the Padres. So this year does feel different with them because Snell, I like Snell a lot. He won the Cy Young last year, so obviously he's good. Udarish has just been a stud. For since he came into the league. Since day one, Udarish has been a stud. So we know what we're getting from Udarish. It, 
it does feel different this year. I mean, we've seen San Diego do this before. You remember back in the day they signed, what did they, they signed like Mike Cameron. They signed like five guys in two off seasons right in a row. And you thought that maybe they were going to do something within half a season. They were all gone. That doesn't seem to be what's happening here because they've already committed over 600, <laughs> that's insane, over $600 million to the left side of their infield. So obviously this team is in. Because they got Machado on uh, third base, too. So I, I, I like this team a lot. I mean, Darvish, Snell, Machado, Tatis. Like, it's a beautiful young team. I love it. Yeah, and, and I mean, don't forget about Hosmer. They gave Hosmer $189 million, you know, a few seasons ago as well. So, I mean, th- th- basically that's, you know – almost three three quarters of a, of a billion dollars given to the infield. So, I mean, I, you know, like I said, Profar is probably going to play a second base every now and then, but he's not going to be an everyday guy uh, like Joe had mentioned. But, you know, when you add Snell, you add Darvish, guys that have been proven pitchers in their, you know, previous uh, stops in the major in, in the major leagues, excuse me, and then you come, you're coming. Well, I don't know. I don't think, is it called Petco, Petco Park anymore? No, yep. right? It's, it's, still, it's still called Petco. Okay, so still I feel like most, most parks just go through name changes. I feel like everyone has changed their name. But, yeah, so, I mean, Petco Park has always been a pitcher uh, friendly area. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Snell who did well in Tampa, but, and obviously, you know, Darvish did well in Texas. He did well in, you know, Chicago as well. So yeah, I mean, they definitely seem to be all in clearly. They were looking to become all in when they traded for Mitch Moreland last year. And then they added some other guys at the deadline last year. So, you know, they're a very talented team, but seems like it looks like like every maybe 20 years they look to do this. Like you said, uh, Bobby, you know, when they had those signings of getting, you know, Cameron and, you know, some other guys, but obviously I think the last time they went to the World Series was in 98 when they lost to the Yankees. So, you know, so, you know, rest in peace to Tony Gwynn, you know, but yeah, but see, it seems like, uh, like, yeah, I mean, Joe, you said it right. I mean, Tatis, I don't know if he's the best player in baseball, but he's definitely the most exciting. I think that title still goes to, you know, number 27 in Anaheim. Well, sorry, Los Angeles of Anaheim, whatever it's called now. But yeah, number 27 and, you know, whatever it is, where's the red and white is still, to me, the best guy in all of baseball. But Tatis is coming, for sure. And, you know, I also like that guy north of the border or in Buffalo, wherever they are. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I'm a fan. I was a fan of his father. Like I said, we'll, we'll get into the AL East later on. But but yeah, San Diego was awesome, and I'm excited to see what they do this year. The, uh, started... Sorry, go ahead, Craig. These were moves made by the Padres that they absolutely had to make if they wanted to compete in this National League, and especially now at least because the Dodgers just keep churning out uh, talent. And if they can't churn it out, they will acquire it. They had that big, uh, of course, they had the Mookie Betts trade about a year and a half ago at this point. And of course, they had the, and now, you know, they got Cy Young Awards up and down this lineup for people who have won them or can win them. You know, Trevor Bauer, they just added Clayton Kershaw. You got David Price in the bullpen as your long man for $30 million. I mean, still terrible. Just, well, of course. But if this team, if this Padres team is going to hope to be able to compete, they need to keep all of the Dodgers, and I think that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and, and they started the season three and three and two. They won three out of four against the Diamondbacks, and then they lost to the, one to the Diamondbacks and lost one to the Giants, and they that, they have that series on now. And they just lost Tatis Jr. for about a week and a half. But Craig, they play in the NL West. We were all trying to signal to you that it was the NL West, but, but the Dodgers are extremely good. The Dodgers are so good, and you're absolutely right that if they soccer geography, not my best subject. That's that's fine. Baseball is one of your best subjects, so we just mixed you know oil and water. So speaking of spending money, we have a few 
two guys to talk about spending money. And since Craig already mentioned him, mentioned him, English, not my strong suit. Let's talk about uh, Trevor Bauer, who signed a three-year, $102 million deal that can expire after the first year, because that's what Trevor Bauer does. And Rachel Luba, his agent, is incredible. What she gets this gets for this guy is ridiculous. And to put him on a team, the best team in baseball, and give him an opportunity to win a ring at the age of 30 when he, you know, Trevor Bauer, I mean, we can say what we want about him, right? We can look at his numbers and say, he's really good. He's above average and he's he, making a lot of money to be above average. He's he, a big person. Was that guys? That's, that's an automatic 12 and nine and you're not going to get much above it. You might get 15 and 11, 15 and six, something like that. You know what I mean? You're never going to get, in my opinion, from Trevor Bauer, that 22, 23, one season. No, the most he's won is 17. And that was in 2017. He went 17 and nine in 2019. He went 11 and 13 between Cleveland and Cincinnati, a five and four in the COVID shortened year last year, but he had a 1.73 ERA, which is what got him the money. He's one and oh, so far with the Dodgers this year, pitched six and a third in his first game, allowed three hits, four runs. He did give up two home runs, but he struck out 10. So, and only walk two. So, I mean, you're right. You're right, Bobby. He can be very good, but he's never going to be great, but he has the personality and the gall to go out and get the job done and make the money doing it. And for Rachel Luba to get the, honestly, this was such a a player and team friendly deal that Trevor Bauer got, because if he doesn't pitch well, the Dodgers can just whatever. We, we don't have to we don't have to pay him anymore after year one. And then if he decides to come back, he decides to come back or he can have a good year and go get paid more elsewhere. So it, it really is one of the best deals I've seen in a long time. Which has been his tendency his entire career. Sign a one-year deal, have a really good season, get paid, and do it all over again. Right. And that's what he has done his entire career. I'm not blame him for it. He's got to make him $45 million this year. Yeah, I mean, he pitched with Arizona, Cleveland. He kept signing deals with Cleveland, and then, you know, he pitched very well there. He was great in Cleveland. He was 67 and 53 while pitching in Cleveland. So, I mean, again, above average, uh, a 3.91 career ERA. But to add him into that rotation, Craig, as you said, which pushes David Price into the bullpen, you really do have, I don't want to say a band of misfit toys, but you do have a band of big personalities in LA, but that works for that market. And that works for that team. And if a team with Trevor Bauer and David price can win a world series, more power to Dave Roberts. Cause I have trouble with a three-year-old and an 18 month old. I can only imagine these two in the same place for a long period of time. Well, I mean, just listen to their one through five, Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, Walker Bueller, Julio yeah. Urias, and Dustin may, who's going to be a perennial all-star in this league. Then you get through them. Okay. Here's David price out of the bullpen. Right. right, but this is the thing. Bueller's the he's the number one. It's yeah. not Bauer, and it's well, not Bueller's a dog. Bueller's yeah. a dog. the number one. Like that. Yeah. That's the guy. That that's the guy's become the horse. Like we saw it a few years ago against the Red Sox. Like he had a great game against us in the 2018 World Series. Like he, he is their guy. So that's why I think it made sense for them to go get Bauer. Right. So look, yeah, you won the Cy Young. Yeah, you've had good. You know, you've had good seasons. But we're not looking for you to be the guy here. It's a one year tryout. Let's see if we can go back to back with you on our team and be our, our day three guy. Yeah. That's phenomenal. That's light work. Like I said, Bueller, that's, that's the guy. Kershaw, you know, finally, he finally got over the hump, you know, because he's been, he's kind of been the Peyton Manning, so to speak, of, you know, of, of Major League Baseball. You know, someone that's going to dominate, 
you know, in the regular season, but then kind of have his woes in the postseason. But, you know, he finally got over the hump. He finally won. So definitely solidified his Hall of Fame career, too. I, I know that wasn't on the, you know, that's not what we we're going to talk about, but that's just something I thought about. Like, he's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer now for sure. But, yeah, like I said, Biller should be the guy for that team going forward. Easily. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you so to think about Bueller, go back to that Red Sox series you're talking about. The reason you know he's a dog, I don't know if you guys remember, they took him out in that seventh inning. And the the relief that I felt that he wasn't on the mound anymore, as soon as they took him out, I was like, oh, we're good. We're good. That guy is not on the mound anymore. We're all right. We're good. He just has that feeling of a guy who, when he's in there, he changes the game. Like, you, you, you need to figure him out. Because if you don't, he's not just going to pitch great. He's going to dominate you. Like, you'll have no chance. Then when it comes to bringing in Bauer, why I think that's great is because you think about Kershaw. He's at the end of his career. And Bauer's not a superstar. But both these guys are always relied upon to be these guys. You bring Bauer in, now it's split between the two of them. You know what I mean? Like, Bauer doesn't have to be the one. Kershaw doesn't have to be the one. They don't even have to be the two, for Christ's sakes. You know, they like they're just coasting this season. That team is unbelievable. And we're seeing that we're seeing that change in baseball right now. And you mentioned the ages of the guys. Trevor Bauer's thirty years old. We're talking about that contract that Trevor Bauer signed with three years, one hundred and two million dollars. That basically there's an, an option for year two and three. It's really a one year deal. Trevor Bauer's thirty. Clayton Kershaw is thirty three. David Price is thirty five. I didn't know Kenley Jansen was thirty three years old, but mm. that's another story for another time but dustin may who craig mentioned is 23 years old walker bueller is only 26 and julio urias is 24 so they have three of those five possibly six staples in their rotation for a long time to come and the last thing i'm going to say about on this dodgers team for now is bobby i'm going to give you an argument right now as to why the dh is bad for baseball Clayton Kershaw is two for three at the plate with a run scored. He's batting 667. Trevor Bauer, 0 for two with an RBI. So Clayton can throw, rake, bro. Clayton can dude, rake. I'm, I'm just throwing out there. Clayton can rake. Yeah, he's one of the few pitchers that can actually rake. Like, yeah, but see, this is this, not going to be Mike Hampton or, you know, whoever guys. <laughs> that, that's not going to happen. Like, it was, the other guy it was that a pitcher's rake. named Mike because it was Mike Hampton, Mike Stanton. And, you know, no, I, I understand. There's and, the other um, guy. Who's the other guy? Well, uh, oh, Rick, Rick Purcello was pretty good too. Why Purcello? No, was it Purcello? There's another guy who hits dangers as a pitcher. It was the past couple of years. He, he had like he twelve. Oh, last the guy, year. oh, the guy from the Reds, I think. But I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, 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 him. I forget yeah. his name. Yeah, exactly. yeah, the guy the from the Reds. Reds. Yeah. I don't know who it is. But, but anyway, everyone before, listening knows who it is. Off the rails. <laughs> come back to that. But we'll have a DH conversation as the season goes on because right, uh, we I know that we are. We are pretty split on that one. I think it's actually mm-hmm. five against one in that. Well, Dave doesn't count, but I think it's four against one in that argument. But yeah, so so Trevor Bauer signs that contract. And then again, that, that wasn't all that we saw. We had Nolan Arenado leave Colorado. He goes to St. Louis. This is a big contract for St. Louis because we all know St. Louis is generally a team that builds from within. They don't like to go and throw money around all the time. When they had the opportunity to do it with Pujols, they let him walk. Nine years, $275 million for the all-star third baseman. I really love this signing. I think he is so good, and I think that him being trapped in the Mile High City uh, especially after DJ LeMahieu jumped ship to go to New York, was it left him in a spot where he needed to make a move like this. This is a great contract for him and allows the Cardinals something to build around for the next nine seasons. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I think 
He's the best third base, third baseman in baseball. Not Chapman. That's tough. Think, that's tough. That's. I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I think, I think, Bobby, I think we right talked now. about it. Yeah, I, I, but yeah. I think it's Arenado, then Chapman, then you know, then our guy in Boston, uh, Devers. That, that's just my opinion. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, I think he's going to do great over there in Bush Stadium. I think he's going to hit a lot of those home runs into Big Mac land, <laughs> and they're going to love him. You know, you still have the, you still have the captain there, and the Molina. You know, and I said St. Louis just always finds a way to still be around, right? Like you know, people talk about the Central kind of flipping back and forth. You know, whether it's be, well, will it be Milwaukee? Because obviously, you know, Yelich has been a problem since he got there. You know, will Chicago come back and make noise? But you know, Arenado, like like you said, Joe, with him coming there for the next nine seasons. Probably like six years out though, Don, he'll be productive. And that's that that that's yeah, he's win. 30 now. That's a win. So it's just like I, to me, he, he he could definitely rake. He still plays third base um at a high level. So yeah, St. Louis to me got a steal. I mean, I think honestly, maybe they realized they made a mistake earlier when when not we signed in full holes. Like obviously he but he hasn't been the same in in, in LA, but when a guy that's been that dominant for you, you don't just let him go because you don't want to pay him. But once again, we see that happens. We did it with Mookie Best as well. So that's just what we're doing for us, uh, unfortunately. Uh, you're not going to let me to go off that tangent. I completely yeah. agree with the card for not <laughs> signing Albert Pujols. That would have been a yeah. disaster for them. It was a disaster for the Angels. We're not doing that right now. Yeah, hey, I mean, you can't. So, no, hey, we're, we're not going to do that right now. But so we'll have another show on that. I'll, I'll argue that. But, but, but wait, wait, wait. Just have a... So I would Nolan Arenado, go back to him real quick. I think he's the most underrated player in baseball. I think he's up there, at least in the top three underrated players in baseball, because you I, never I think, hear his name. And he's the, so consistent there's a reason why. every single year. There's a reason why. And it's the same reason why Mike Trout isn't bigger than Mike Trout is in the sports community. They play they play on the West Coast, and there's no national TV deal for baseball like there is yeah. with, with football. Yeah. So you have a guy that was trapped, quote unquote. I, I I think the Rockies are a pretty good organization, but I think he felt trapped with the Rockies, and that's why he signed the deal that he did to get the heck out of there. But I mean, did we? Did you guys? Re- did we really know who DJ Lemay he was before he put on his pinstripes? We may have. Yeah, I do. I knew it was he was in college. <laughs> this but, group did, but it's like I mean yeah. the the. The fan chilling in maybe Boise, Idaho, that was, you know, getting some potatoes. That is what a stereotype that is. Are you kidding me? That, that, that's well, fine. I mean, listen, they named, a, they named a goddamn, <laughs> listen, no way, hang on. They named a goddamn bowl game after it, okay? The yeah, Boise, pretty, pretty, Idaho pretty potato oh, bowl. Yeah, so, so yeah. All right, so listen, come, come, come at me, <laughs> underscore Hollywood Wale. But, coming uh, back to it. Coming back to it. Wait, so. Back, well, no, no, one, so no, one, no one knew him like that, but baseball, real baseball fans like us knew. Right. And that's what I was trying to say is like, that's why he's underrated. So I don't think, I, I don't think underrated is necessarily the right word when it comes to baseball for these kind of guys. It's, it's undiscovered because they play in these markets that no one really pays attention to. And it always does seem like if you're, unless you're Griffey with the Mariners in the nineties or your, your, Kurt Schilling or Luis Gonzalez or Randy Johnson with the with, with the Diamondbacks in the late nineteen nineties uh, into the early two thousands or you're if you're not on the Red Sox the Yankees or the Dodgers no one knows who you are so it's either so it's essentially be iconic or be on one of five teams that's how you become known in baseball yeah that, but that, and that's baseball right? because the thing yeah. about the nfl we can all name the star player on all 32 nfl teams now again this group probably could do that with baseball but 
it's not as easy. And I think there's more of a conversation. I also think there's more variables when it comes to baseball. So that's why Arenado was just, he was just kind of doing his thing in Colorado. I mean, they were putting together a good thing there in Colorado for a long time. And they they just played what two years ago. They they did. They just couldn't get over that hump. And then, you know, once LeMahieu went out the door and then Arenado went out the door, that was the end of it for them. But this move to St. Louis to bring it back to, to where we started. Yadier Molina, Paul Goldschmidt, and Nolan Arenado are the cornerstones of that lineup right now. And you still have Matt Carpenter, who's really coming off the bench. But, I mean, he's 35. So those guys are 38, 33, 30, and 35, respectively. And you have some pretty young ball players on that team. And they're still going to bring in the kids to to do the job and and that's why they spent the money is i think they're revamping like they had done in the early 2000s when they started competing for world series adam wainwright is still on that pitching staff so this this was just a a the right deal for both team for both sides at, at that time so Moving on to our next deal as we're getting just through the offseason. Francisco Lindor was a big move as he leaves Cleveland. I know the Cleveland faithful and the Cleveland fans were pretty broken up about this. I don't blame him. He's their Mookie, man. I'd be mad too. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, he's a young guy too. You know, Francisco Lindor is 27 Mm -hmm. years old. He's a four-time All-Star. He's been with Cleveland since he was, you know, he came up with Cleveland. And he's just impressive. He's super impressive. I mean, last year in 60 games, he he was 61 for 236, which was a 258 batting average. But he had a 335 on base, hit eight home runs, 13 doubles. He's a middle infielder. And he has an incredible glove. He's got two gold gloves to go along with those four All-Star selections. He signs a, and I have to hit the button on baseball reference, not a sponsor. Monstrous, monstrous deal. 10, 10 years, 341. Um, I'm sorry, it's a 10 years. Yeah, uh, signed through 20, 2031. So he'll make, wild. well, he'll make 22.3 this year. But he's worth it. He's worth every penny. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys. Is Joe frozen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's the type of guy he is, though, when it comes to Lindor. Like, he's the Mookie bets. Like, if there's certain guys in MLB that deserve that $300 million contract and watching Francisco Lindor, he's one of them. Yeah. Let's just do that whole part over again. Yeah. Just rewind. Hang on a second. My, My internet completely just shit the bed. Yeah. No, I feel you. Where That's did we two. leave off? Uh, Lindor. Which part? The money. So Just ten, started ten, over. Ten, Just ten, ten, yeah, ten, ten years. Ten years, forty-one. He'll make twenty-two point three. Okay. Yeah. We'll just start. We'll start over with Lindor, Craig. You, that good? So moving on from uh, the Cardinals and taking a look at the New York Mets, Francisco Lindor moves from Cleveland to the Big Apple and and signs with the Mets, which is a good situation for them. Lindor, a four-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, two-time Silver Slugger, Platinum Glove recipient as well. He's signed with the Mets through 2031. He'll make $22.3 million this year, and then he'll... He his deal goes for another ten years for three hundred and forty one between twenty twenty two and twenty thirty one. This guy was a staple in Cleveland. They hated to see him go, but it really is the right move for him. He's a middle infielder with a good glove, a very good glove. He's a career two eighty five hitter, which is right where he should be. He plays every game. I mean, in his career, the least amount of games he's played. In a season based on the amount of games is 99 in 2015. He's played 158, 159, 158, 143, and then 60 in the 60 game season last year. This guy's a horse. 
and he's healthy mm-hmm. and he's good. Uh, knock on wood. We don't want to wish any injuries on anybody. I, I love this Lindor deal, and I, I think the Mets made the right move. When I first saw it, I didn't like it because the Mets, to me, are just the Mets. The Mets. The Mets, uh, yeah. But he, he joins an interesting lineup. And th- this is going to be good for New York. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland definitely traded Lindor for pennies on the dollar. I mean, they were definitely put in that situation where they had to. It really was very, you brought it up earlier, it was very Mookie Betts-esque how that went down in Cleveland. Not as bad because Cleveland, you know, actually isn't the most profitable team in baseball cutting corners. But anyways, we'll get there. Yeah, no, I love the I love the deal for the Mets. Francisco Endor to me is one of those guys that, when you watch him play baseball, Joe, I know this is your mindset when you watch him play, but he plays it the right way, man. Just from the moment he walks on the diamond, like, you know, we both coached before, and there's just those guys that as soon as you watch them play, it, there's something about them. The way they field the ball, the way they do everything, you're just like, okay, that's different. And, and that's the type of guy Francisco Andorra is. So the fact that the Mets yeah. actually made a move for a guy like that is, is big for them because they don't usually do that. You're right, so especially at 27 years old and right. he's fun to watch because he he enjoys playing the game. It, it's one of those things where, you know, you turn on anything or you're on YouTube or whatever, you see a highlight of Francisco Lindor and there's a smile on his face. And and that's yeah. what's, that's, what's fun about it. And that's honestly, we'll have to do an episode on this, on what baseball is missing. It's fun and guys having a personality and showing some showings that personality because they need <laughs> it. But I, Hey, but before Ray goes, I, Bobby, I just want to let you know, Jake DeGrom, Two for three at the plate with an RBI. All year? Is this happening all year? Oh, all, 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 all season, all season right? Apparently, all season. Uh-huh. All 162 okay. games. Yeah, all <laughs> Jeez. All every, right. every baseball show, I will make sure to point out which oh, hitters gosh. are doing well. <laughs> here we go. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, Wade I'm Miley. Gonna, I'm Wade Miley me. was the pitcher that could hit, by the way. Wade Miley. Wade Miley. Okay, yeah. I remember that guy Popped right. in my head. Um, so, I guess first – well, first hot take outside of what Joe said about the pitchers that can hit. Uh, first hot take of the show. I think Lindor and Alonzo will be the best three-four combination, not just in the National League, but of all of baseball. Yeah. I, I, as to me, I think it's going to be phenomenal to see what those guys do to, to pitchers on a nightly basis. And I just love how they negotiated the deal, right? You know, he wanted twelve years, three eighty-five. They offered, three, you know, I think ten years, three twenty-five. And wow, they met in the middle. Would you, would you, would you, would you look at that? It can, act, it, can, it, can, it, can, it can actually happen. It it's can almost like happen. that's what, nego- yeah, it's almost yeah, like I'm that's what the there. definition of there. negotiation yeah, is. But I'm, I'm not going to go there because you, you know why I brought it up the way I brought it up. I'm not going to go there though. But it's like, it's amazing what can happen when you actually, when two sides can actually come together and actually agree on the data works for both sides and you, and you keep the player that you actually want. Well, so right. Not, not know, to it's, go, it's just, oh God, it's not it's, to go off on another tangent, but sometimes the problem is the the player overvalues themselves or the team undervalues a player and we know a certain team in this area that undervalues players all the time and we know another team in this area that overvalues players all the or that players overvalue themselves all the time so that that's going to happen but boston sports is rough right now boston sports is (laughs) Uh, and and i know i I need need a therapist honestly uh but shout out and i can't remember his name right now but shout out to the uh, to the university of maine former university of maine black bear goalie that is starting for the Boston Bruins tonight. No, the backup to Vladar because he played last night. But anyway, we're at tangent, oh, yes. middle of the show. This Mets lineup 
right? You mentioned Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor. James McCann, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, J.D. Davis, Brandon Nimmo, Kevin Pillar, Michael Conforto. Of those top eight guys in the lineup, obviously not counting the pitchers that uh, seem to be able to hit, they're all under the age of 30 with the exception of McCann and Pilar, Yeah, which is awesome for the Mets right now because that tells me they they got a three three to four year run in an NL East that's on the East Coast Craig that is is winnable that is winnable so I'm a big fan of this Lindor deal and you're, you're absolutely right Ray but to, to get to your point about the contract it, it is nice when teams and players can meet in the middle when they want to be together somewhere I mean right. Lindor very easily could have said hey I'll play for you in 2021 but none Clearly, I think he wanted to go to New York and wanted to play for the Mets. And I think that was the yeah. best opportunity he received in his mind. And that's why he signed that contract. And And dude got paid. And he deserves it. He's a good ball player. And like I said, the smile on his face and the fact that you can see that he enjoys playing the game is the best part of it. I mean, he does have a lower batting average than Jake DeGrom, but we're not going to we're not going to go there right now. So. <laughs> so now going north of the border, or as Ray said, or to Buffalo, wherever the hell they're playing. George Springer, formerly of the Houston Chief, uh, Astros. I like Houston, being able to Houston do that. Assholes. As a so the George Springer goes north of the border to to play on a Blue Jays team that is already getting stacked. With the, stacked. the we'll talk about the AL East coming up, but with the way the Blue Jays and the Yankees look, and the fact that the Rays haven't been dismantled yet. The Red Sox are in trouble, but coming soon. So George Springer signs a six-year, $150 million contract. He, like I said, he joins a pretty impressive lineup already. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, and then, of course, you have George Springer in there as well. So, and they, well, they have Joe Panic. I forgot they had Joe Panic Before- came over from San Francisco for... I like Joe Panic a lot, actually. So before before you move on, I want to say my favorite part about all these young guys is that it's like a video game. It's like what I would do when I'm creating players is that they're the sons are here. The sons of these guys that we watched growing up are in baseball right now. Like Fernando Tatis Jr., I remember the day his dad hit two grand slams in the same inning. Yeah. Bo Bichette. I remember Dante Bichette like it was yesterday, bro. Guerrero, I remember him hitting a home run when the ball bounced on halfway to the plate. Like, the bloodlines are running strong in baseball right now, and that's one of the reasons why I feel pretty hopeful for the future of the sport. Because, like, I mean, you you mentioned Biggio, too. Biggio's son is in baseball now, too. I think Clemens' son, I don't know if he actually ever made it. but I didn't think so. But... You know, all these guys are so you can cut that last one out. So all these guys are are coming in and it's just it's really exciting to hear these names and to hear these guys be like, Oh, I know that guy. I remember well, it. See, it's it's great for us because we we love the sport. The mm-hmm. sport needs a revamp, and again, we'll have we will have an episode on that on on how we would save baseball. But that's the problem is that there's so many people out there that don't know that these guys are even in the league or know that they're the sons of these incredible players that played when we were kids. And that that's part of the history of the game. And that has to be, you know, I, I think about that with my kids all the time. I'm like, my kids are never going to know who Tom Brady is. They're never going to know who, you know, 
I mean, they'll definitely never know who Pedro Martinez is. You know what I mean? They will from lore, but they'll never have seen them play. So it's just such a it's such so an interesting sad. part of the game. But, you know, we, you mentioned those the, those guys, and it's so interesting that the Toronto Blue Jays basically became the team that started hogging all the kids of the former of the former major leaguers. If they had Tatis, it would be like the the four cornerstones of <laughs> of two thousands baseball. So as we move away from the off season moves, we're going to move into uh, the Boston Red Sox, who I am very down on. Yes, after four games, excuse me. But as we, it's, it's, it's okay. We're here for you. <clears throat> you. Do you need a bag of Skinny Pop? Not a sponsor. I do actually. <laughs> so, so we 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 taking a look at the Boston Red Sox back back in January. The Sox traded cash on a player to be named later. We still don't know who that play player is for Adam Ottavino and and pitcher Frank German. February tenth, they traded cash and left fielder Andrew Benintendi uh, to the Kansas City Royals in a three team deal, which involved the New York Mets, which brought outfielder Franchi Cordero, uh, right handed pitcher Josh Winkowski. And three players to be named later, two from the Royals, one from the Mets that came to Boston. They signed Hunter Renfro on December 14th. They signed uh, Kike Hernandez on February 2nd. Garrett Richards on February 3rd. Marlon Gonzalez came in on February 11th. And Martin Perez uh, came in on February 12th. So you look at the signings that the Boston Red Sox made. The the best part about all of this for me is that Chaim Bloom is undoing what Dave Dombrowski undid when he came here. And that's the biggest thing for me is that I, I know in my heart of hearts, and I think we all do that the Boston Red Sox are not playing for 2021, but in fact, playing for 2023, 2024. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you look at the signings, none of these signings say when this year, even so, even, you flash back to a uh, year after when we signed like Victorino, Napoli, all these guys. And we were like, oh, bargain bin signings, blah, blah, blah. And people were trying to relate these guys to them. No, these guys aren't even on the same playing field. This is clearly a sign of playing to win later, but doing just enough that they can say like, hey, but like we signed Kike Hernandez and Garrett Richards, guys. Like we tried. But no, I'm with you, man. I'm with, I, I don't want to say uh, I'm down on the season. It's over. But when you go into the first series of the year and you're playing maybe one of the worst teams in baseball and you get absolutely demolished by that team, guess what? You might be the worst team in baseball. Yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? That, that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair to say. And like like you said, Bobby, like I just I don't think that any of the signings they made were geared to win right away. And I mean, like you said, for Victorino and, and Napoli had just came off playing a two World Series with with Texas at the time. Victorino had won a World Series in Philadelphia. So they, these are guys that, you know, Johnny Gomes played in Tampa, went to, went to a World Series. So they, these guys had already been battle-tested, had been there, you know? So it was about, okay, how do we maximize getting another year for Ortiz and maximize what we have with Pedro, uh, uh, not Pedro, with, with Ortiz and Pedroia? Like, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. So, yeah, it's, it's a joke how they put together the roster. I mean, it really – I hope that we bring this up on another episode, but we can address it now too. But it's like, what exactly is the right way to go about winning in this sport? Because people were killing Dombrowski. Oh, he 
took it. He dismantled the farm and he traded everybody away. He sold out. Well, 2016. What a shit, man. Yeah. You win no. the AL East. 2017, you win the AL East. 2018, not only do you win the AL East, but you win the World Series and you break a franchise record going 108 and 54. So to me, I'm I'm about going all out. Damn all building the farm for three, four, five, six years, 10 million years. This is not pre-04 anymore. So I think before then, it's like, well, you got to build, you know, you got to bring in Nomar, you got to have the balance, you got to have that. This not, That's not the case anymore. Bring guys here on, on a bigger deal if you can. And I think that started, that shit started with Manny. Manny signed that eight-year deal from, you know, when Daniel Kett signed him, eight years, 160. And then it started the trickle effect. Like, you got to bring guys here. Obviously, every deal is not going to be, be like, Manny, you're going to have your Carl Crawfords, you're going to have your Adrian Gonzalez's. I get that. But I'd rather you swing for the fences than you look to try to win now, so to speak, as I put that in quotations, Mark. But really, you're not looking to win for another three or four years. But, that's but, not but teams can have sustained success with a farm system and still continue to build through that farm system. The Yankees have done it the entire existence of the New York Yankees. The St. Louis Cardinals have done it the entire existence of the St. Louis Cardinals, but the Boston Red Sox have not been able to do that. And they have the same amount of money as one of those teams and nearly the same amount of money as the other. And for you to say, yeah, all right, Dave Dombrowski came in here and got us a World Series. Well, great. What do we have to show for it now? Are you So if you're happy with them going all out, yes or no answer, are you happy with the state of the team right now in 2021? No. That's because of Dave Dombrowski. So, so, but when you think about it, though, the deal right. when made, you think like, about I, it, I, it's I, actually John Henry and he needs yeah, to Yeah, I was going to say that, but it, it really, because, because uh, listen, Dombrowski <laughs> did right. Dombrowski, like I, I get the hate on Dombrowski and it, it's not, it's a narrative all over the place. You know what I mean? But like well, this guy came true, in, and, he, he but he did exactly what he was asked to do. Dombrowski was brought here for one reason, and that was to win us a damn championship, but, but whatever why? he had to do. Because, But you look at what he did in Detroit. So he had this track record coming in here. You knew what he was doing when he got here. You know what I mean? Like, he, he went into Detroit, and he traded everyone for Miguel Cabrera. Everyone. The, the, the entire goddamn farm but, system. But he also, so as, he, that, as he should have. <laughs> as he should, right. So it's like, but, like, but just think about it, My bad. Just think about it. He traded Juan Moncada. Who who's good, but I I wouldn't give I wouldn't give up what we got for Chris Sale and what he brought us for what we could have gotten from Juan Moncada. You know what I mean? Like for what he actually did for this team, because that's the big deal, right? That's the one that's like everyone points to that we traded this young guy for this guy with the shoulder. We don't win a World Series though, Chris Sale. So and what, what is, I, what I never blame Danny Dombrowski. What, what I never done? blame him. Well, but, that, exactly. but, that's, but Ray, that's what he's saying is that while he wouldn't, he wouldn't have given it up. They yeah, right, serious. Right. So, but again, so this is what we're talking about, right? Because we can go revisionist history, but let's talk about Dombrowski's track record. You're absolutely right, Bobby. But he left the Detroit Tigers in the exact same state and that he left may. the Boston Agreed. Red Sox in. Yeah. But this is a bigger problem that goes to John Henry, which you guys know I can drive these cattle home all day. Is that? I I watched the movie the other night because it was on TV. I watched Moneyball again. And that story at the end where he tries to bring in Billy Bean and Billy Bean says no. So what does he do? He goes out and finds this young exec in Theo Epstein, brings in Theo, tells him this is what we want to do. Guess what? Theo didn't get along with John Henry for very long. He didn't. 
nobody really seems to get along with John Henry for very long, but he, so then that happens and Theo kind of, he leaves, comes back, they do their thing. The, then when Theo leaves, he's trying to find a guy that'll come in, but he needed to switch it up. Why did he, why did John Henry switch up his mentality of what he wanted? Because for years, all he wanted was Billy Bean. All he wanted was money ball with money, which doesn't make sense. That model doesn't work here. And we can say that it did in 04 because it did work in 04. But the, the thing is that Theo Epstein knew to bring in guys that cost money in order to win the championship while also providing farm a farm system that was sustainable. So, so Ray, this is another rebuttal to your argument when they knew what they were getting and they brought Dombrowski in to do a certain thing. They brought him in to do a certain thing, but they brought Theo Epstein in to do a certain thing and build that farm as I get really excited and knock my microphone over. They bring in Theo Epstein to do an, almost the exact same thing and he sustained it longer because Dave Dombrowski gutted everything and they had nothing left. It's like, if you move the couch out, what are you going to sit on? But Theo would get rid of the couch and then bring in chairs and bring bring in more chairs and then bring in a love seat and then bring a couch back in and sure it got crowded, but it, but it won, it worked. Dombrowski just couldn't get it done. So now they're going back to the old model and bringing in high and bloom. High and bloom is more of a Billy bean than Theo Epstein ever will be. And that's not a good thing, but it's a good thing in the sense that he's going to build the the farm system back up. And again, Ray, as you said, do the job that he is asked to do by the owner. So my filibuster is just about over, Bobby. Go ahead. Yeah. So I I completely agree with you because this is how I picture John Henry calls Dave Dombrowski into his office. He says, I want you to do anything that you can trade anyone. Bring me some of the big name guys. This Bobby Vieira is over. We want a World Series. Go get it. Trade anyone you have to. Three years later, why'd you trade all our farm system? Why don't oh, no. we have a farm system left? You know, that's, but that's how I picture John Henry. That's why no, I agree. I, yeah, I think which, it's which a John is, which Henry is a joke. thing. Which is, which is, right, I, joke. I think it's a John Henry thing because it, it, when you look, the direction of this baseball team for the last 10 years has been such an inconsist, inconsistent mess that like they they don't have an image they don't have a direction that they're going in anymore it's like it's so up and down with this team that i i it has to be at the top and it has to be the owner the only consistent thing from day one of all this is john henry you know i've always said i've always said it and especially with you guys is that the David Prices, the Adrian Gonzalez is the Carl Everett's the who is the I love Carl Everett but no, nonetheless, these guys come in here and they can't handle it. They can't handle the pressure. They can't handle the media. The ultimate guy that can't handle the pressure is John Henry. And I say that, and then everybody's like, well, he's still here. Yeah, he's the owner. He has the money to still be here. He's still making lots and lots of money off of being inconsistent because people still buy the tickets and still go because he has that nailed down that he's going to be able to put asses in seats because this is Boston and this is one of the, the biggest sports markets in, in the country, if not the world. But the thing about John Henry is that he felt as though he was going to walk in this door and he could do no wrong, that he would win us some World Series here in Boston. We would love him and and we would never look down on him, speak bad about Mm -hmm. him or do Mm -hmm. any of that. But we are. And he doesn't like that. 
Yeah, what he forgot is that Boston's actually the smartest sports town in the country, or one of the smartest sports towns in the country. Relatively. So we, we don't get fed bullshit. You know what I mean? We've talked about this on the show before. When coaches and teams try to feed us with that silver spoon, all of Boston's like, bro, no. <laughs> like, just not happening. Not today, not ever, never will. That's so, what Boston sports does. So bringing it back to now, we look at the starting lineup. We can talk about this and just kind of preview where we're at. The Boston Red Sox, one and three on the season, swept by Baltimore to start the year. Uh, they win last night over Tampa, which was an okay game. We were talking in the Discord at the end, and you know they're up seven runs, and it looked like they were going to give it away. Luckily, they scored some runs in the eighth and put the game away. But right now, the Red Sox are batting two thirty eight as a team with a two eighty five on base percentage. They're one and three on the season. Their best player is JD Martinez, which is fine. He's paid the most. But what's interesting to me is when I look at this lineup and I say one of these things is not like the other. We're paying J.D. Martinez a lot of money to have the lack of talent built around him. Bogarts is fine. He's batting 294. Raphael Devers can't hit. He's had a problem with the glove. Bobby Dalbeck, who's, who's 26 years old, he hasn't been able to put it together. Christian Vasquez is batting freaking 455. When, when we all thought that Christian Vasquez was never going to be a hitter. We thought he was going to be your like prototypical sixties catcher who was there for defense. And now all of a sudden the last two years, he's figured out how to swing a bat. You have Marwin Gonzalez, Christian Arroyo, Kevin Pluecki on, on the bench. And then you, what, I don't know what the pitching staff is, but it's there. They throw baseballs. Uh, <laughs> they're not guys. Good. I'm, they're, I'm just really not happy with this. To summarize this dude, to summarize this, they're not good. You know no, what I mean? Not. Like, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'll watch yeah. the games. I also don't have Nesson on YouTube TV. Neither one of those are a sponsor, but if uh, someone from YouTube TV listens to this or Nesson, figure your stuff out because I want to watch the Red Sox, even if they are bad, because I love baseball. Bobby and I have talked about this before and we're, we've kind of gotten negative on this, but you know, baseball, bad baseball is like bad pizza. It's still baseball and I'm still going to watch it because it's fun to watch. It's a fun game. It needs a revamp. The sport does, but you're right. So to summarize it, you know, we, we, we kind of just did a, a history of Boston ownership and GMs over the last 20 years, but but it's all true. It's right there in front of us. The facts are there. And, you know, as Bobby so eloquently put in the rundown, you know, a couple questions. Bobby, one, one question that, that you asked that I'm going to answer right now is what's the ceiling for this team? 70 wins. Ooh. I really don't. I, I don't think they win a lot. I don't think they're going to play well. Do we think about the basement? I think I, I think Baltimore still finishes last in this division. Even when Chris Sale comes back, I think it's going to be tough. And I, I just I don't see much happening unless they can find some prospects to bring up and give some time, or they go out and spend at the trade deadline. Yeah, completely yeah, agree. I, 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 oh, go ahead, I, my bad. What real quick? I think this team. It's very possible at the end of this season that we're looking at the Red Sox as one of the worst three baseball teams in the league. Because you just watch them. Like, you guys know baseball. You watch them, and they're not a good baseball team. You know that this team is not going to win more than 80 games. They are not going to win more than half their games. And I can guarantee you that because they don't play the game the right way. They make too many errors. They swing at bad pitches. They make bad running mistakes. It's atrocious in Boston right now. That starting rotation compared to what it was when we won that World Series, is just, it's despicable. 
you well, know what I mean? We, we can't live in the past with the. We can't live in the past with it either, right? We we have to live in the present. You can't. Um, but I'm saying, like, if you're if okay, I agree. If you're gonna move on from that rotation, do it. But this is what you're gonna give us. This is garbage, bro. And yeah, then and then the two guys you're gonna hang on to from that rotation. You give them twenty mil each, and they can't even fucking throw the ball right now. So it's like. Yeah, I, I mean, getting and I mean, I know we 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 had talked about it off there. But I mean, but getting Sale and Rodriguez back—that's why I think you can give more of a, I get more of a synopsis of what they're going to be. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen because with Rodriguez having a dead arm, and then you know, you know, Sale has thrown as many pitches as I have in the last year. So it's it's just like I just I just don't I just don't know what's going to come of it. But I'm actually the opposite of, of you two. Go figure. I do think they find a way to figure it out. And I'm not saying figure it out winning like 90 plus games. Like that's 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 dumb. Like <laughs> I still want to be on the show. Don't keep me off for saying dumb shit, right? <laughs> um, but I, I mean, can they go 84 and 78 like they did in 2019? Sure, they can do that. 84, 84, 78, 85, and 77, something like that. Or maybe like the 06 team go 86 to 76. Who knows? Maybe something like that. But they're not, it's not going to be something where they win 95 games to catch lightning in a bottle unless a prospect comes to catch fire. Kind of like Michael Shavers did a few years ago. I mean, even though the team was awful, but Shavers caught fire and was good for about a month and a half. Really was like their best player. They need that type of joke or they need that, that, that type of overhaul at the trade deadline, bringing in somebody that, that can help the team. So my okay. thing is, are they going to do it? They're probably not because once again, if they're being, if high end is being told, hey, rebuild the farm, do this. But once again, Joe made the great analogy earlier, you know, about, you know, training a couch, but bringing in chairs and they're bringing in a love seat. That's what Theo did, even though I wasn't a fan of that, you know, at the time. But it was just like, yo, like you still brought back guys that were going to be key, key parts. Even the 07 guys like Bobby Kilty, guys like Julio Lugo, you know, so there it was guys that was brought in. I, I mean, even though Lugo, I hated Julio. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We'll get into that on a future show, but it's just uh, like, I hated Julio. You know, yeah, don't even. Yeah, don't you know. So keep yeah, going. You know, the, the Danny Drew. So it's like there's guys that were brought in uh, while bigger pieces were moving. You know, Manny gets moving. Oh wait, you bring back Jason Bay. So I, I can go on and on. So it's just like you ha- you have to get to that point where. I guess you're doing both, which is what I, I mean. That's going against what I just said. I said go for broke essentially. But if you're going to do the other option, you have to do what Theo did, in my opinion. You can't do what this guy's doing now, where it's just like, well, we're gonna we're just gonna get enough players. We're gonna get ten utility players and maybe have one or two good players. That's not gonna work. So this is the next part of that, though, right? Is that Theo Epstein came in after Dan Duquette? Which say what you will about Dan Duquette, he did a job for a while and put this team in some good positions. So I'm not saying this is a, a Tony Dungy, John Gruden situation where John Gruden built the house and, and Tony Dungy brought it to a Super Bowl. I'm telling you that, or the other way around, sorry. But what I am telling you is that Theo Epstein was coming into a better situation than Haim Bloom is. Because Theo Epstein at least had a farm system. Chaim Bloom has the skeleton of a farm system. He also is now dealing with a team that just relocated from Pawtucket to Worcester. And they're also now talking about Tanner Hoke back down to AAA, back to Worcester. Which uh, for, what's that? That's a joke. Like To, yeah, me, to, I feel to, like- to bring in Erod, which it blows my mind. Because, I, I mean, say what, listen, I, I think Eduardo Rodriguez has a lot of upside. But I, there's too many red flags there to continue to pay this guy and run him out on the, the field. 
taking away his bout with COVID last year that sidelined him. And then with the heart issues, which he had heart issues anyway, uh, now the dead arm and all this stuff, like, man, you're a major leaguer. Like you're being paid millions of dollars. You should be in shape enough to not have a dead arm and dead arms happen. I get it. But dead arms happen like that to guys like us who don't throw every day. It shouldn't be happening to a finely tuned athlete. And the decisions that are being made are where I agree with you, Ray, that putting this team together the way High and Bloom has been atrocious, but he is working within the confines of what he can work with, though I think some of those confines are being confined by John Henry and the Red Sox where they don't want to spend a lot of money. And I think that still comes back somewhat to a COVID era. But now as I say it, it's crap because the Dodgers have done it. The, the Cardinals have done it. The Padres have done it. They've gone out and figured out that they can still spend money. They're still going to make money, and they're going to be perfectly fine. But the Red Sox are refusing it's to spend money. It should never be an issue yeah, here. It's, it's never the be an issue in Boston, period. Yeah, like, it's right. the silver it's spoon, point. bro. Never. That's what it is. It, it's The fact that they're literally trying to sell us that they didn't want it. They couldn't afford to pay Mookie bets. But that's rhetoric. A quarter we, we, see that, we see that in Boston all the time. We see it in it's Boston. Crazy, yeah, but, yeah, but, but still but, want to tell you, hey, come and get a family friend. But, but, but not only that, but then so you're going to take – But you can't tell me you can't afford this, dude, when you just spent $40 million on two pitchers that are over 34 years old or over 30 years old. You have an outfielder who could have been the cornerstone of your franchise. Bobby, it's, it's rhetoric. They didn't want to spend the money. It's all rhetoric. Yeah, but that's, how it's many all times, rhetoric, right? Hang on. Just, hang on. Just, but that's just like John Henry. It's just garbage, hang on. man. It's always How many rhetoric. times do we hear it from Danny Ainge? We, had it, we were in on that deal, but it just didn't work out. It's all rhetoric and BS. And it doesn't matter what we say or what we do. We can come back, and I say it all the time. Tom Brady didn't want to be here. I said Mookie Betts didn't want to be here. I mean, I'd much rather be in Tampa or L.A. too, but I, I'm here. So... Uh, when I have my press conference, I'll tell you, I'll tell the truth when I just say I don't want to be in Boston anymore. But it's fucking cold. This is what happens in this town because Bobby, everybody <laughs> pays so much attention. And when you said earlier that Boston is one of the smartest sports towns, we're okay because we still let the wool get pulled over our eyes and they, they push this rhetoric on us and nothing ever happens and we continue to spend our money. So really who's the smart one here is it the guys that own the teams making the billions of dollars or is it us who continuously pay tickets to go see teams that suck you yeah know? they they know we're loyal to a fault it's been like well, yeah, that. it that, was like that in the 60s like that in the 70s and it's like that now I, i'm not it's not the, the rhetoric that pisses me off isn't the the we're not that i can i can accept a not good team I really can. Sure, we're not good. See, we're not good. You just want to see a right. good product. They can be bad, but at least play the game. Right. And and be honest with me. Let me know what team this is. You know what I mean? Good like, luck. you look back at the Celtics when Marcus Banks was our point guard. Listen, we knew who that team was. They were horrible. We never had any doubts that they weren't winning more than 20 games that season. Yeah. You look at, but then you look at yeah, a team baby. like the Celtics this year where we're being spoon-fed this bullshit of, like, we're a contender, we're a contender, we're a contender. You're not a fucking contender. The Red Sox aren't a contender. The Celtics aren't. <laughs> like, these teams, and they just feed us this bullshit. And it's just annoying me. I'm sorry. You have a guy like Garrett Richards who goes out and, and throws the other day. He has a 27 ERA in one game pitched. And, <laughs> that was and he goes out. Man, and that was pitiful. And, and in his post-game press conference, in his post-game press conference, he says that he felt good 
and that he was throwing a, a lot of strikes. And it's like, well, buddy. No, you, you forgot the best part, Joe. What's that? He he got beat by the shift a couple of times. That's, oh, that's right. What, and he got, yeah. he got beat by the shift. Yeah, yeah. right. Right. Because You know who that sounds like? Uh, it sounds it's like not, uh, Danny Inch. What, what's, what's the nickname, Ray? What's the nickname? Oh, it sounds uh, like horseshoes. Sounds like horseshoes. You know, I, I almost got the pitch to the right spot. I almost got the curveball over. Yeah, I almost got the sinker to be working. I almost got my mustache to be just perfect. Well, guess what? Your mustache was longer than your outing, Garrett Richards. You suck. You blow. This is not Anaheim. You were trash. This is not Mickey. This is not uh, Disneyland. This is Boston. Get your shit together. <laughs> Get it together right now. Not next month. Not <laughs> Get it today, Mr. Richards. Two yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's rhetoric. Whatever. But, but now, now that for that, rhetoric. Take that for rhetoric. Now that we've effectively taken a dump all over Fenway Park after talking about every other team, we are gonna cut this one here for missing the point as we are an hour into this and again probably just BM'd about the Red Sox for, for 30 minutes. So we'll come back with more baseball talk. We will be more positive, but right now with the Red Sox at one and three, Ray still thinks they can win 84 games, even though they're having press conferences like Garrett Richards had and they're going to send out Tanner Hoke. Rayshon is still positive, but Bobby and I are right here. I mean, uh, Bobby and I are on the same page here. So uh, the alarms, everyone. Sound the fucking alarms. So again, what was intended to be a preview episode turned into a bitch fest, but we appreciate you all joining us <laughs> for Missing the Points, first baseball episode of the season. We hope you guys had as much fun listening to it as we did recording it. Well, thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on Missing the Point. I'm Joe Malcolm with Sean Buchanan, The Real BK, Bob Kelly, and Craig D'Alessandro. Talk to you later. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.